Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. All right, hey, we're going to discuss more on the DeMar Hamlin situation live from Cincinnati is our friend Armando Segarra, who has been there overnight, over two nights. Armando, number one, thank you for joining us. Number two, is there an update on anything going on with DeMar Hamlin? Right. So uh, thanks for having me, Dan. Uh, I, I spoke with his uncle last night, and basically the uncle says that they're just going day-to-day -day on this. There is no real huge update. They, The doctors have basically tried to what they call cool the body to make sure that you know, there is the the highest possible degree of um, help for the heart and the brain so that the most amount of oxygen reaches the brain and obviously is pumping through the lungs. He's still on a ventilator. He is still in ICU. Um, there, there was talk of maybe removing the ventilator at some point. I don't know if that's uh, accurate or not, that is not coming from any official source. So where we're at right now is everybody is kind of uh, milling around outside the hospital and, and there's, you know, vigils going on. There's a church down the street that had a, uh, a service yesterday. So folks are just being in faith and hoping for the best. When, when, this is a long road. You know, the report was, you know, that he was 100% on the ventilator, now 50% on the ventilator. I, I think, don't, from, the, from talking to the uncle, this isn't, uh, and, and the, the hospital didn't give an update yesterday. This isn't like all of a sudden, boom. Uh, this is a long road here, correct? Yeah, you know, DeMar Hamlin is not going to play football again this year. <laughs> so, so there's that. And, uh, that's not really the, the, the priority to be very frank. Uh, the priority is getting him back up and about and, and having full brain function and having full lung function and, and having be, be able to lead a productive, happy life. Uh, and then when we cross all those bridges of the many bridges that need to be crossed, maybe there is a miracle afoot. Maybe he can return to play. But like I said, this is not, we're, we're not, that, that's like step 10,075 and we're right. at step, you know, four. Right. That that's, you know, and the first step is saving his life because is it, I read when you're in critical condition, you know, critical means uh, we got a problem here, right? I mean, the first step is still he's in a life-threatening situation. People, I think, need to understand that. Right. So until he is off the ventilator and able to breathe on his own, 
He's not off the ventilator and able to breathe on his own. Right. Uh, they, they don't. The reason he is not off that yet is because they don't have a hundred percent confidence that he can do that. That's rough. Uh, uh, that's the, you know. There's a reason why he is receiving twenty four seven care, which is what his uncle said he is getting. And there's a reason why he is in intensive care. Um, so it's one of those things where, you know, it sounds like it's all going in the right direction, but we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. What What is the scene outside the hospital? Yeah, so, you know, this happened to, to a, a, a player who plays for one of the most um, – loyal, faithful fan bases in the Buffalo Bills and Bills Mafia. Those people, they have a connection to their team that I'm not sure every team in the NFL or anywhere in any league has to their team. These people live, breathe, eat Bills football. And so they were there at the hospital moments after you know, DeMar Hamlin was rolled in via ambulance. And I know this because I was there. Um, and they've been there throughout. They've erected a, a sort of a memorial to him, a shrine. They've got a Bill's flag there. They've got Bill's paraphernalia on the corner of Piedmont and Bellevue Avenues right outside the hospital. Um, you know, people come, they, they talk amongst themselves. They pray, they sing, um, they basically support. And so that is obviously part of the scene. And of course, there's a bunch of media, uh, including myself at times, not right now, but oftentimes. Um, and, you know, we're just waiting. We're waiting for word. And yesterday, Hamlin's aunts came out to see the memorial uh, and and some Bills fans, you know, hugged them up. And obviously his uncle was outside as well. So it's 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 interesting. It's for the last couple of days, it's been not cold, but cool and very rainy, a steady rain. Today, it, it's better. So uh, there might be more people. What has is there any update from the NFL other than they're not going to play that game this week? There is no update as of this moment today. The the not going to play that game this week. You know that was that that was yesterday, and it was obvious. the The Cincinnati Bengals have a game to play this coming uh, weekend, and guess what? the 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 Buffalo Bills have a game to play this coming weekend, and so you cannot ask them to play. When tomorrow, right, and then again Sunday. That that's just not done. So the NFL isn't going there at this moment. Um, there's a lot of speculation of moving this the season back a week. Um, I don't know how that would work out because they've got schedule set up for the playoffs, and they're going to start when they're going to start. So, and both of these teams are playoff teams. They already have qualified. So this was a game that was going to decide seeding, Dan. Um, you know, 
The Kansas City Chiefs right now are the top-seeded team in the AFC. The Buffalo Bills behind them and the Cincinnati Bengals behind them. Had the Bengals beaten the Bills, uh, they could have a shot at the number one seed. What do you see? How do you see this whole deal playing out? Um, a lot of people are calling for let's cancel the games this weekend. A lot of people are saying what you said. How do you see this playing out? Yeah, I don't – the games this weekend are not going to be canceled. Uh, they're going to be played. Um, that's that's how it's going to play out. <laughs> you know, people can call for whatever they want to. It uh, doesn't mean anyone's going to answer their call. Uh, I understand and I wholly agree with the idea of this was a terrible, terrible moment in a game. And there was no way that you could ask the players who witnessed what they witnessed. And, and it was a terrible scene who witnessed that should be asked to, okay, guys, uh, you just saw this. He's your, he's your guy. He's your brother in, in, in arms, so to speak. Now go and forget about it and play on. And it's like, wow, really? And, let me just say this, Dan. We, um, and a lot of players, they, they parallel football and the game to battle. You know, there's a lot of war analogies that are spoken of. Let's go to battle. Let's fight. Let's, you know, all this stuff, blitz and stuff like that. All war terms. Uh, football is not a battle. Okay, it's a game. They had uh, an injury in the game and it rose to the level of the game is over. We're postponing. In a real battle, guys are killed and they don't postpone the battle. It really makes me respect what the armed services, what the military and what we ask those people to do for us. Because they don't get a moment to, you know, to, to process. They don't, get, uh, they don't get mental health professionals helping them at, you know, the next day. They have to fight on. And it's just stunning to me that, uh, that they are able to do that. And it's also very gratifying to me that we're not asking and we don't have to ask the football players to do that. You know, that's well said. And the other thing that I would say is, my God, what a what an unbelievable job. You mentioned it yesterday. Eight people at one time were working on DeMar Hamlin, one taking his face mask off, CPR, you know, all that. And the pressure that was on those people in front of the world to run out there and perform not only uh, – What's the right – well, to save a life. I mean, let's be honest. To save a life, that, that, that honest to God, we – I said this yesterday. You can talk about making a field goal or getting a base hit or hitting a free throw, but that's saving a life in front of the entire world. I don't think we can say enough how special those people are. Right. Uh, and you got to understand, so those folks are trained to run the gamut of all the injuries and all the possibilities, right? And – Let's be honest. There are more gruesome injuries than what we saw. Uh, you have a compound fracture where a bone is sticking out of the skin and there's blood gushing out. 
that's something no one ever wants to see. But those happen in the NFL and have happened. Uh, the most notable of which probably is Joe Theismann. Having said that, this young man collapsing was indeed life-threatening. His life was on the line. He was out and he was not breathing. <laughs> so uh, that is as serious as it gets. It don't get no more serious than that. And these folks, they rushed out there in, in waves and they kept coming and coming and they all had a job and they all did their job. I likened it yesterday to like a pit stop crew. They all were doing something to help and they helped because as we speak here today, DeMar Hamlin, although he is on a ventilator, he is alive. No, that's, that's it really well said. And, you know, I, I, let me ask you, cause we touched on it a little bit yesterday and a friend of mine who's with the NFL said, you know, if you're going to have, And you are going to probably be in as good a place as you could possibly no, be in you. an NFL stadium, given all that is at an NFL stadium. You know what I mean? It's I almost like you. a mini trauma I don't hear you. Right. So, uh, so Dan, we're getting different crosstalk here. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure exactly what, <laughs> what, what you I said. What I said was if okay, you're going to have the situation – that DeMar Hamlin said, a friend of mine in the NFL texted me last night. He, he watched our show and uh, we were talking, I think you and I were talking about how it's basically a mini trauma center, every NFL stadium. Right. So the NFL has, you know, it's emergency action plan and they have ambulance ambulances at the stadium. They have obviously the medical professionals at the stadium. They have an airway physician. So they've got people who are experts at intubating people, at making sure that people breathe. And so, uh, and they, they rehearse these plans at least once a year. And it, it's pretty impressive to see that plan in action the other night. Look, if DeMar Hamlin had had this episode walking down the street, and I don't know that that could have happened because I don't know that he would be hitting anyone walking down the street. But if he had had this episode in a random place, I'm not sure he would have made it. If, if you're going to have this episode, uh, there's a, an NFL field at an NFL stadium during an NFL game. That's the place to have it. That's the place to have that emergency because the pit crew was there immediately. Yeah, and that's, you know, we always want to criticize. Uh, it's what we do, Roger Goodell. But you got to, I think you got to give great credit to the preparation here. I think that needs to be spoken more, whether it's the NFLPA in conjunction with doctors, in conjunction with the NFL, whatever your personal feelings are about Roger Goodell or Demora Smith or whomever, you got to at least give them credit for saying, wait a second here, this, this, preparation this pit crew as you called it saved the daggone life and good for them for having this set up or at least saved the life as we know it so far yeah so there's been a lot of of 
you know, hand wringing and so forth and criticism about how long it took the NFL to make a decision about whether or not to cancel the game or postpone the game. Uh, that that is kind of secondary. Uh, there were no lives at risk at that point, and they, I think, reached the right decision. The critical time factor was getting to Demar Hamlin and helping Demar Hamlin live. And in that regard, they hit they hit on all cylinders, scored a hundred percent, far as I can see. There was no delay. There was no indecision. They got it right. And that is the story. That's the, that's the lead. It's not, well, they took 30 minutes to decide whether to cancel the game. No one's life was at risk at that point uh, in, you know, in those locker rooms. The guy whose life was at risk, that was handled immediately. I, I, I agree. I'm so tired of hearing the criticism of how long it took. I mean, God dang, I don't care. You saved a life. You let everything settle down. You talk to the teams. You talk to the coaches. You met, And then you made a decision, the right decision, in my opinion. Wrong decision maybe somebody else. But in my opinion, the right decision. Armando, I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much for the update, man. That's great stuff. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. That's our friend Armando Segura, who is right there. He is in. Uh, Cincinnati, and man, this is why OutKick is so great. Now, you're looking at me and you're saying, what the hell are you doing, Dan? Well, what Dan is doing is I got a power outage at my house. I've got all kind of texts coming in. So we're going to talk to Dr. David Cho and see what he has to say, sports doctor, and see what he says caused. I got a lot of people saying, well, you know, it's caused by this or that. I don't know. I want to hear from a doctor. I'm tired of sports writers and sports casters. We'll come back. We'll hear from a doctor in a moment. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If you're looking at this and you're wondering, uh, you know what? Get over it. We got a great show for you. Dr. David Chow is a sports doctor. All right. In your professional opinion, I'm tired of hearing from writers and broadcasters and everybody else. What do you think happened here with uh, DeMar Hamlin? Yeah, you know, before I jump right into that, Dan, I, I heard the segment with Armando, and, and don't, I mean, he did a great job. Pretty much everything he was saying is what I was saying in real time immediately as the on the field and that night when there was no information, talking about the great job of the medical staff, the two dozen people, and the quick reaction saving his life. That is really great. And before we get to what caused it, which is obviously the next chapter, and thanks for having me, me on here, I kind of want to make a little bit of a plea. If the quick reaction is what did it, and we're going to talk about commotio cordis and other things and some of the sudden death things, and some of the other examples, Christian Erickson, Chris Pronger, who you know were saved with quick action. To me, we should do better with this. It's great we're donating to Toy Drive. This is a call to have an athletic trainer 
at every high school and even middle school event, and certainly in college. This sudden death thing is most common in the younger population. And not only do you need an athletic trainer there, not just football games, you know, hockey games, lacrosse games, even soccer games, but you need an AED device and not locked up in the nurse's office a mile away. And it doesn't happen very often. Look at the NFL. This is a one in a more than a million thing. I mean, as a former head team physician, we drilled this every training camp for two decades, and it never happened. We had one chain gang member pass out. We dealt with that. But this stuff never happened. We never utilized our true emergency action plan in two decades. And the NFL has it. But when you do, and the compliments that you're giving, I say not a couple things take away, then we'll get to the cause and things. I'm sorry for hijacking this. Number one, Let's take out of this, you need the medical personnel at the younger ages in high school and colleges too, with an AED. That's how you can potentially save lives. The other side thing is, and you're right, about complimenting the NFL and the Bengals athletic training medical staff and the Bills, and really league-wide. Look, they drilled forever all around the league for and look, it's like you practice this play one time in a walkthrough in preseason, and you never run this play for decades. And then the one time you have to run it, you got to score a touchdown. And I think they did, right? This was like Philly special done in a walkthrough one time a year and never run. And then you run it in the Super Bowl and you get the touchdown, or the et cetera. And I'm not trying to trivialize this, but for everybody who has sometimes rightly complained, sometimes wrongly, about the concussion protocol. I don't care who you are, that you, you, if you've ever complained about it, right or wrong, in any way, shape, or form, or talked about it, you should give kudos to the NFL for being over-prepared on this one. Now, back to your question of what it is. I don't want to speculate as to the details and, and whatever, and, and full disclosure, I was a head team physician in the NFL, but I'm an orthopedist. I'm not a cardiologist, but I've consulted a lot with the primary care doctors. We supervise them and so forth. And I've talked to some heart specialists, one in particular at the University of Ottawa Heart Institute, Dr. Grau, a friend of mine. But in any case, in real time, we knew that it was hard. And I wasn't trying to be heartless. I mean, in real time, when it happened, I put up a tweet saying, you know, the hit didn't look that bad, right? And they came back from commercial, and you saw him stand up and then fall down. Immediately, you knew that was cardiac. That wasn't his head. Why? His heart, quote, stopped beating correctly at the moment of impact. And so why was he able to get up? Because there's still residual blood in your brain and oxygenation. So usually it takes about four seconds. So he got hit, stopped. He got up, stood up for a second or two. And then collapsed down. That timing was cardiac. And that's why I tweeted immediately, this is about the player. This is not about the game. There's a heart issue here. And I had no idea at the time it was going to CPR and the and the whole life-saving stuff and life support stuff that happened. And I got to admit, Dan, I was a little freaked out by it because it's never happened to me. I felt helpless watching on TV. I almost didn't even wait in because I'm like, what's an orthopedist doing waiting in? But I, 
I, I started talking about everything Armando, Armando just talked about. All the medical personnel and how there's help and the action plan and the whole deal and the airway physician. And uh, thankfully, everything continues to go in the right direction. Yesterday on Outkick 360, I talked about the, the ambulance stopping in the tunnel was a good sign. The Buffalo Bills indicating that his heart was restarted on the field was a great sign. And to this morning, there's still some more good little signs. As long as they're trending in the right direction, that's all we want. And our focus is on him being extubated, breathing to up maybe today. Hopefully, doesn't have to be, but let's hope. But just a little baby step every day. It's like the stock market. As long as it's a little bit, it's up and down, but it's a little bit just trending in the right direction, we're good. We don't need to double our money overnight, right? I mean, so to speak. And that's what we want to see out of DeMar Hamlin. And I'm still cautiously optimistic that we will. Now, as for the cause, here's the thing. This is not Chris Pronger, NFL, sorry, NHL person, 1998 or nine. He tweeted about it. He took a puck to, there's talk about Camosio Cordis. I might have started that a little bit because I mentioned it early. Camosio Cordis is a weird phenomenon where you literally could be a little league baseball player and you get hit in the exact right spot in the chest at the exact right millisecond of the EKG wave. And we're not going to get into QRS and T components and waves and whatever. But and then it sets the electrical system in your heart awry and basically is like a heart attack. Very weird, like struck by lightning type thing. Not very common. That happened to, to uh, Chris Pronger. And he was revived, resuscitated, went on to a 12-year NHL Hall of Fame career. And I saw reports that he played in missing just two games, which is just unbelievable. But this is not pure Camosio Cordis. Camosio Cordis may have had a part in it. Uh, Christian Eriksson, the uh, Denmark soccer player at Euros 2020, I guess, when he collapsed, I wrote an outkick that his career wasn't over and he could come back to play, and AD saved him. He's now back to play. That was sudden cardiac arrest, which is also different. To the lay public, it's they're all the same. No, they're not. This DeMar Hamlin is worse. He took a big blow to the chest. He's going to have a cardiac and or lung contusion, something, in addition to potentially this commodio cortis. But there's no question it was the blow that got him in the unlucky right place, right time. And if you look at it, sometimes we see plays, and I do video analysis and so forth. Sometimes you see plays where you got jacked, like a blindside block, and the guy goes flying into the air, and it looks fantastic. But that's actually in some ways better because the energy dissipates in his body flying, you know, in a yard sale type thing. This guy took it all in the chest and absorbed it. If you go look really close at the replay, the energy didn't dissipate. Sometimes if you get thrown from the car in a car accident, you're better off, right, than being taking all the blow with a chest against the steering wheel, so to speak. So that's... Uh, and I'll let you lead the discussion, Dan. I didn't mean to 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 hijack. I got John to hear your opinion. I know <laughs> I, my opinion is mine. You're the expert. <laughs> I do want to go. Um, you know, we live in a world where immediately, and I didn't notice this because I didn't. My wife did. She's like, Dan. All of a sudden, this is being politicized. The vaccine, this, that, and the other thing. I mean. Honest to God, I mean, I, I, I'm, I, and I want to get to your point on something before I get into that, or you can get into that. 
I always use two plays. When Dale Earnhardt crashed and died, to your point, we had seen far worse crashes. We see far worse crashes. And Bo Jackson's hip, we've seen far worse moves. So to your point of, hey, look, something that maybe looked a little innocuous is more dangerous. Those are the two things that I go to. And then the other thing, can you dispel all this vaccine and all this crazy political stuff? Let me dispel two things for you. Uh, first of all, the vaccine stuff. Why are we leaping to that? I mean, medically speaking, look, anything's possible. We don't know anything, right? I I'm on the outside, okay? If you're going to the vaccine stuff, it's more likely that if he had a flu or COVID and had myocarditis, and I don't know that he had either, and this is pure speculation, that myocarditis irritability of the heart muscle would be potentially significantly more likely to contribute to this than the vaccine from what we know. But I'm not trying to take sides. I'm not even trying to speculate it's related to myocarditis, okay? Right. So it's out there. You could speculate a lot of different things. You could speculate that, you know, he had an aortic dissection. You could speculate he had this or that, the other, a genetic component. There's all sorts of speculation. I'm not here to speculate, but you wanted me to dispel that. I don't see that as a forefront issue and not something that is that realistic it's more realistic to blame it on myocarditis than it is to the vaccine but let's not go there the other thing that you and armando talked about that i wanted to spell the ambulance crew look everyone focuses on the ambulance but you got to focus on the ground what you didn't see and thankfully espn you didn't see it is you didn't see him actively doing cpr on the field but the player saw it and that's why I said there is no way they're restarting this game unless they know he's okay. And so that's why on Twitter last night or the night before, I was like, I hope they restart this game. Not for the game, but that means they know behind the scenes he's okay. There's no way they're taking the field this is okay. There's no way they're taking the field unless this guy who got carted off on a spine board and, and collar didn't give the thumbs up. Right? They're not there. You're going to be sh shaken by that. And I'll bet very few of your viewers and followers have ever seen someone do CPR live or get defibrillated live, much less a friend and a colleague. I mean, look, there's a reason why the stadium was deathly silent. There's a reason why the stadium, you didn't hear one boo when they called the game. They saw it too. We didn't see it, right? Because ESPN, when they went back, rightfully, there was the barrier and it was a distance view and they ne you never saw any of that, but it is unbelievable. And to the point about the ambulance being slow, not only do I not care about the paramedics who are being slow, they were absolutely 100% correct in doing what they did. Look, the visual for the lay public is scoop and go. You're inside the ambulance, you're good. Well, then you're out of sight, but that doesn't mean you're good. Besides the principles of stabilizing first, okay? Now, if you have no way to stabilize, okay, you may have to scoop and go, okay? If you're out in a cornfield, yeah, put them in the ambulance. And guess what? The ambulance doesn't drive. It's working on you in the little mini OR. It doesn't drive because you need the driver to even to help. But what's better, to be in an ambulance with maybe two, three people at most 
We're on the field with 24 medical professionals, two AEDs, oxygen, medical bag, IVs, and all the help. They did the right thing. And not only am I saying they didn't do the wrong thing by, quote, delaying. They weren't delaying. They were working. Kudos to all of that. Can That one I can 1,000% dispel right here, right now, and hopefully forever. No criticism there at all. Only compliments. Doc, I, I talked about what you just said yesterday. I said, you know, I'm listening to it on the radio as I'm driving. You're watching it on TV. But the players are right there. They're seeing what is going on. Will we, down the road, and it's there's a lot of bridges to get over here, will we know definitively what happened here to DeMar Hamlin? Look, here's what I want to know definitively. Dan, I love your stuff, and I'd be happy to come on. But you can see it's a surgery morning from here. We can get another time in the next case to come on. but. I don't care about knowing what it is right now. I think we will find out. I don't care about football. I don't care about that playoff schedule. I want him to get extubated, breathing tube out, maybe today or as soon as possible. I want word that he's going to be for sure survive, which I'm you know, hopeful, and for sure leave a normal life and be able to hug and kiss his mom. And then we can talk about what caused it and other prevention and other things and, and so forth. So far we're, we're in the right direction and, and this story isn't going away. Right. But I, I appreciate you. And I don't mean to cut you off. I just, you know, got to run a little bit. You got to go. Hey, appreciate you. Thanks doc. But appreciate I'll come back you. anytime. Just just let me know later today, this, that, the other. Okay. I just, you gotcha, know, man. I can't leave the patient here. Okay. You got to go. You got to go. Okay. go. Thank you, All sir. Right. I appreciate Thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah, I've never really, I don't think I've ever interviewed anybody that had to go because they were a doctor in the doctor's ward. But hey, look, the doc's got to go. All right, we're going to come back. Uh, if you're wondering why we're doing it like this, because we feel like it. How about that? All right, when we come back, Allison Williams is going to discuss John Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh. Excuse me, she's covered Jim Harbaugh. We're gonna, uh oh, my internet may be back. My TV's back on. Hold the phone. Hold the phone. We may. We'll go to break. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The uber-talented Allison Williams joins us. Allison, back on the sidelines for Fox Football. A-dubs, I got to ask you a question. Jim Harbaugh, and you've covered Harbaugh for a long time. Jim Harbaugh has been rumored. In fact, yesterday talked to the owner of the Carolina Panthers. Would you be surprised if Jim Harbaugh took off and went to the NFL like a lot of these reports are saying? 
I wouldn't be surprised by anything Jim Harbaugh does because of all college football coaches I have ever worked with, he is by far the most unpredictable. He is wildly inconsistent in his um, treatment of the media in in his engagement with them. And that's the one thing that I was like, I have a tough time with because I'm like, most people you could say, all right, you're a jerk. You're not a jerk. Like put them in their file and go about your merry way and you know how to deal with them. But Harbaugh, sometimes he's so wonderful and accommodating and talkative and gregarious. And other times he'll just like completely shut you down and want nothing to do with you. Um, so I, no, nothing would surprise me with Harbaugh. I, I would be really disappointed for, for Michigan fans. You know, I'm from that neck of the woods and um, seeing what he's been able to do there and restore that program. And after kind of a tumultuous start, right? I mean, and they showed him a lot of patience, I think, uh, for him to to up and leave would would be disappointing. But I mean, like, can't ever blame anybody for doing what they feel like they need to do. And if he still has something to prove in the NFL and wants to go back, you know, so be it. But no, I would not be surprised. You know, it's interesting. You are from there. You have covered him. Tom Crane is his brother-in-law. Tom came on our show and Tom said, and referencing what you had just said a few years ago, it didn't look good. He actually thought Harbaugh did that he might have lost his job a couple of years ago. That's real when the coach actually thinks that, according to his brother-in-law. Yeah, um, and I think that that obviously if Tom says it, it's certainly true. But there was um, there were a lot of questions and options being floated around Michigan uh, when you don't beat Ohio State and you don't beat Michigan State and you don't win the Big Ten and you're the University of Michigan, your job's going to be on the line. And I'm sure his was uh, for a moment or two. And and like I said, you know, the university showed him some patience, fans stuck by him, and he's been able to turn this thing around. And in this day and age, we know how rare that is for, for either side of any sort of patience. Um, so, so maybe he feels like, look, I, I, I did what I promised I would do and I got it right. And, you know, we've been to the playoff and back to back years. I'm sure though he, he would feel like he's this close, right? I mean, like you're so close, you, you've got your quarterback coming back and a lot of good pieces coming back, you know, why not give it one more run and try to finish the thing for real and win a national title. Um, but obviously opportunities in the NFL don't come along all that often that maybe would be the right fit for you. So perhaps that's the direction he goes. Um, but yeah, it's certainly been an interesting run with Michigan throughout his, his tenure there, no question. And it's definitely in a much better spot than it was, you know, three, four years ago, even. This is an unfair question to ask you, particularly <laughs> since I texted you before and say, hey, I'm going to ask you this question. But you are, you are from there. You are in college football. I always say this, uh, a couple things. Be careful what you wish for in coaching. Mm -hmm. You know, be careful what you wish for. Oh, Michigan fans. Is there somebody that, and the second thing is you always got to replace the guy like Harbaugh right. Lee, you got to replace him. Is there a guy that Michigan fans would say, all right, I don't want Harbaugh to leave. He's done a great job here, particularly last couple of years. But if we got so-and-so, that would be pretty good. Assuming that so-and-so isn't Urban Meyer. <laughs> well, no, it's not going to be over because it's got to be a Michigan man, right? That's like prerequisite yes. number one. Um, how about how about this? How about Tom Brady instead of going to the booth, comes out of retirement and heads to University of Michigan? That that would be a name. It's like, all right, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get behind Brady. Uh, otherwise, nobody off, like no realistic option off the top of my head comes to mind. Um, that's the thing that's tricky. Like, and I wonder too how much that helped Harbaugh save his job when it was on the line a few years ago is that question of, okay, if not, then who? Like who are realistic candidates that we could replace them with that we'd feel like are a true upgrade? And with Mich Michigan, it's 
you know, it's it's a very um, prestigious and coveted job, but it's a very particular one. There is a certain fit that has to take place at that university, and and they will nine times out of ten want somebody that is cut from from the University of Michigan cloth. So, off the top of my head, to think of anybody that would fit that, I think would be really really tough. I used to joke that I think like a Luke Fickle should go there and just stick it to Ohio state. I mean, now obviously, you know, he's gone a different direction in the big 10, but um, yeah, that would be, that would be a tough, a tough job to fill. Like you said, you never want to be the guy that replaces the guy. And that would be the case if you were to, to go a different direction with Jim Harbaugh. I text urban all the time. Harbaugh leaves. Let's go. Let's go. I, I have to tell you, I was with um, with Urban for, you know, when we went from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten Championship and we did this Discover Lounge fan fest thing at the Big Ten Championship. I've never seen a poor man get booed more oh, yeah. by Michigan fans. Like, it was, it was all kind of mean. <laughs> we were on the sideline. Uh, big noon kickoff went to the Michigan game. And he was staying at my house. So we, my, my stepson and I drove down there and we went, we stood the second half on the sideline or in the end zone, actually urban myself and Jared and the Michigan fans were right over here. Right. There was two things that they said in the first half when Michigan wasn't playing well, boo urban, you stink. Come coach Michigan. (laughs) (laughs) And then when Michigan won and they won going away, it was boo urban, you stink. We hate you. Blah, 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 blah. But I do think into, to the point, I, I do think, and you make a really good point here. When Michigan lowered his salary and they took away, and Harbaugh agreed to it a few years ago after Urban had gone mm-hmm. 7-0 and and all that kind of stuff, there had to be a thinking at Michigan, we don't want to lose this guy. We got to show that we're not happy with him, but who in the hell would we get in here because Michigan is unique in that bank. Yeah, and there's a handful of programs that you have to ask that about. And again, it... it so like I look at it kind of like the Auburn dynamic a few years ago. It's like they become obsessed with beating Alabama and Nick Saban, right? And every time they would lose him, it was fire the coach, fire the coach, regardless of what Gus had done. And I'm like, okay, but who are you going to get that gives you a better shot at beating Nick Saban? And so they get Brian Harson, and we all know how that worked out, right? And that's kind of like the Michigan thing, I think, a few years ago. It's like, okay, you're upset with Harbaugh. Obviously, you want him to beat Ohio State. He hasn't. But who are you going to go get that's going to give you a better shot at beating Urban Meyer in Ohio State? And and that's the question teams have to ask themselves. Like, look at what's going on with Ryan Day right now. I mean, and all the criticism he's receiving and what he's been able to do in, in his tenure, you know, replacing Urban. And that wasn't a you know, an easy spot to step into with, again, replacing somebody that's had a ton of success. And he's been phenomenal. And yet fans... Are critical, right? I mean, they're never happy. So um, that's that's the thing you really have to sit down and ask yourself is who do we have that we feel like can truly upgrade us at the position that will be a right fit? And fit matters in college, I think, more than the NFL um, because you have to deal with the boosters. You have to deal with the university as a whole and the community are such a bigger, a bigger tie um, um, with the community and so many more people to please. So there has to be a fit component at any university and especially at a place, you know, like in Ohio state, like a Michigan, Auburn, Alabama, these marquee, these big time blue blood programs <clears throat> where the expectations are going to be high, no matter what's happened previously. Um, and there's a lot, a lot to manage. There. I was just talking to a former offensive coordinator, um, that switched over to the pros. And I was like, well, what's the biggest difference? He's like, I don't have as many people to please. 
I'm not trying to please parents. I'm not trying to please boosters. I'm not trying um, to please the president, like all these different people that you're trying to make happy. He's like, you know who I have to keep happy? The head guy in my room. And that's it. That's it. So it's, it's a different dynamic at these schools and universities. You, you cover these kids. Okay. You cover players. And I was having a conversation with my son yesterday about Patrick McCaffrey. I don't know if you saw this, but Patrick McCaffrey, um, uh, Fran's son who battled cancer is taking time away because of mental health issues, stress, anxiety. And I, and I said something to my son, like, you know what? I, I don't know. Are people softer? He goes, dad, he goes, it is horrible being a college athlete right now because of social media. It's impossible. It's like e everybody has their own newspaper and they write about you on their social media. Mike Woodson yesterday came out and said, man, I wish I could get my players off social media, the head coach at Indiana. And he said, I can't because it's part of who they are. Um, you're around these guys. I'm not. What is your take on the impact of mental health relative to athletes by social media? Oh, I think it's been huge. It gives people a direct pathway to them. And I think it's human nature to want to please and to be liked. And obviously these guys want to perform at a high level um, for multiple reasons. And when you have this platform uh, where people can reach them and as much as you try to ignore it, you know, some of it gets through, whether it's through a friend or through an uncle, or, you know, you click the app mentioned and you don't need to, and you see these things, um, it gets to them and they're human. And I think it is a completely different era than what you probably played in, than what a lot of coaches experience. And then the other component that I really think changes everything, and maybe it's not as much in the mental health aspect, but I think as far as, um, a pressure to perform that's different is the NIL component. I mean, when guys are making this kind of money, <laughs> more money, more problems. Right. right and right. and it does, it, it, it creates another layer of something else to deal with besides just going out and playing. And I think it's not just, and I will say too, I don't think it's just a mental health component of social media for athletes. I think it's for all young people because when you can quantify like how likable you are, I mean, the worst thing that would happen to us is when you wouldn't get invited to a party or something. Now it's like, well, you know, Kara over here got 120 likes and I only got 50 and I'm not as cute or I'm not as desirable. I'm not as worthy. I'm not as like, and, and it's like a quantifiable component, right? Like you can actually assign a number to it. That's weird. Like that, that's a component of popularity um, that we never had to deal with, especially at a young age that, that people could literally like or not like something you put out there instead of just wondering if they like you or if they're going to invite you, you know, to their bowling party. <laughs> like those right. were the things we had to deal with. This is on a, this is on a different mass level. And, it, and then you have a money component too, even with the social media stuff, you know, whether it's TikTok or whatever, people can monetize it. That creates a powered weird dynamic as well. And now we see it at the college level with the NIL stuff. I think it's I think it's a very difficult um, road to navigate, and I think we need to be more cognizant of that and more um, more open to helping players and just young people in general navigate it. You know, Andrew asked me. He said, "Okay, what was it like?" I go, "You know, I turned the ball over in the Elite Eight. People threw eggs at our window at our apartment, and he goes, what 'What'd you do?'" I go, "I just left the eggs there." I mean, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> kind of, you know, well, can you imagine like what that kicker at Ohio State? What oh, his time. I mean, like you, he probably can't open his phone. 
You can't open your phone. You can't go out. Um, I, I, I said this, you know, um, you have young children. Mm-hmm. I would caution my son and my daughter. I don't want you to be a kicker. I don't give yeah. a damn what you are. I always told my daughter, you're not, you can't work the pole. You can't be a stripper. You, <laughs> And anytime I would go to Vegas and somebody, I'd be like, you take a picture, send it to her, stay in school. You're not working the pole. And no I always, posts, oh. no polls. <laughs> <laughs> My son, no kicker. Because I'm telling you, it it is, you know, you mess something up back in the day, stays with you, but it goes away. This Google, Google it doesn't go away. It, yep. It's never going away. And that sucks for everybody involved with that kicker. Yeah. And, and it's like you're either the highest of high or the lowest of low. Like there's no in-between road for kickers. No. And, and it can change in a week-to-week basis. <laughs> I mean, like Rodrigo Blankenship was the, like the, the god of kickers and like could do no wrong at Georgia. They missed a couple kicks against South Carolina. And you know everybody was was calling for him. Um, like Griffin Kell at TCU has been the savior of a few games. So guess what? If he misses a kick on Monday, that's all the, they're going to talk about. They're not going to talk about what he did against Baylor. Um, so you're right. There, there is no lonelier place to be than a kicker that has missed a field goal. And um, I think who was, what was the moment? Um, oh my gosh. With the kicker this year and he missed and the quarterback came over. Oh, BYU um, and, and Hall and that kid and like how he comforted the kicker because he knew what a lonely, terrible spot that is to be. Yes. I'm, I'm with you. I don't know if I'll let my son play football period, but if he is definitely not a kicker. I remember kicking Tariko under, I was doing a game and Andrew's getting in the game and I'm like kicking Tariko under the tables. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows I'm grabbing him on, you know, my left hand is grabbing him on the leg. Like, just Hey, good play. Okay. You know, but (laughs) it, it is so much worse than playing or coaching, I cannot even, but a kicker. All right, let's go to the game Monday night. TCU, you mentioned, I'm a big Max Duggan fan. I think the country is. I'm a big Stetson Bennett fan. I'm a big Jalen Carter fan. I mean, hell, I I think it's a great matchup because these two teams are fun. I agree. Um, I said to my family, because we were all watching that Michigan game together, and I was like, I feel bad. I'm kind of like, I wasn't pulling for TCU because I was with so many Michigan people. I want them to have a good time, but I kind of love that team. Um, I covered them, I think, three times this year. Max Duggan is an absolute warrior. He is everything you want in a quarterback, in a son. Um, he is stuck by TCU through the ups and the downs. He freaking loves that university. Like I had his final home game, which you think would be his final home game. And he was quick to correct me. He's like, well, I could come back. Like he absolutely loves TCU. He is what you want. He's what college football is about to me. Like nothing's been handed to him. Um, He was highly recruited out of high school, but he still had to work his tail off. He had to earn his job. You know, even this year, mid season didn't, um, you know, start the season as a quarterback and all he's done is work and keep his head down and grind. He comes from an awesome family in Iowa. I got a chance to chat with them a little bit. So I I absolutely love Max Duggan. Um, But the thing with TCU, and I was kind of talking to my family about that, I'm like, they're so fast. You don't realize their team speed is so elite, especially on defense. I mean, Quinton Johnson's like a freak on offense, but, but their team speed is so elite that they can make up for a lot of mistakes. Like they have a lot of erasers on the field on defense. Now I know Georgia is special and they're physical and all that stuff. Um, but there is something to be said about the speed that TCU plays with on both sides of the ball that I think it is going to make for a really good matchup against Georgia. 
You know what's interesting to me, and you being around Michigan fans, my view of Michigan was, all right, we're big, we're strong, we're tough, uh, we're fast, but we're physical. On the toughness deals, three times inside, uh, first and goal, only three points. When Michigan made a run, TCU did something interesting. They ran the football and stuck it right to Michigan running the – those are toughness plays. I think people are underselling the toughness of TCU. Yeah, you're probably right. In the goal line stands that they had against Michigan, um, there were multiple instances. You're right. When you think, okay, this is the more physical team. This is where they'll win. And TCU stood up time and time against that test. Um, what a phenomenal game, though, huh? I mean, just start to finish. It was such a good game. And I that was what was awesome, too, to see both of those games be so entertaining. We haven't really had that in the semifinals a lot of years. Um, but I, I was, I was super stoked for TCU just for their fans. They kind of have like this underdog chip on their shoulder deal. Um, but you're right. I mean, they, they answered Michigan's physicality time and time again when they had to throughout that night. Who wins? So I will say I'm, I'm going to stick with TCU just cause hypno toad, like, let's do it. They've had this magical little run all season long as I was talking to some guys I did a radio interview with in the season. I'm like, they just kind of feel destined to do this. Like every time you count them out, they rise up, they've won in every different way. They've always found a way. So why not one more time? Um, yeah, I'm going TCU. I, I got to tell you, I, I, people that, and, and we've talked about it, people that think this is a cute little story. Yeah, it is. But this is fast. This is tough. This is a big time quarterback. And they believe. They got they big believe. belief, right? They mm-hmm. got huge belief. Mm-hmm. And Max Duggan will will them in any which way. Um, he is he is a special, special dude at quarterback. And not to take anything away from, from Stetson Bennett and his remarkable story. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, they had that loss in the Big 12 championship game. But other than that, it's been a pretty magical season. So keep it going, Horn Frogs. Just I don't know how to the, do that hand thing, though, they do. Yeah. It's like that weird little... <laughs> I uh, can I say, I, th- I think that's crazy. I do, I do too. <laughs> what am I doing here? Like, it's like this weird twister yeah. knuckles around. I don't know. Yeah, it's Hypno toad. I, I, in my life, I try not to do creepy anymore because... <laughs> Old man, it's not. It didn't great. work for you earlier in in your life. Yeah, Please stop. It was fine, <laughs> but now you know. Uh, cre- no, but I see people doing that, and I'm like, yeah, I ain't doing it. Uh, hey. <laughs> All right, uh, what? Te- let's send people to your show because Jonathan Isaacs. At least I know you interviewed him a long time ago. But damn, he he made me <laughs> he made me feel bad about myself. That dude. Yeah, that's uh, that might be like a common theme of all the guys. They'll kind of make you feel bad about yourself because Jonathan Isaac is like this picture of perfection within his faith and and everything he's achieved at such a young age and how he lives his life. And then you've got um, Ennis Cantor, who is pretty much sacrificed his entire career and reputation and so forth because he's doing the right thing and standing up for oppressed peoples. Uh, we've got. Nick Rolovich, who um, I think I probably related to more than anybody just with what he went through and what he gave up standing up for his beliefs. And then you've got Dana White, who like came from nothing. It was just a total badass and will kick your ass and has made himself a near billionaire, but is cool as shit and just down to earth. So it's um, called Breakaways. It's available on Daily Wire, Daily Wire Plus. And um, I would appreciate people checking it out. I think I think more than anything with our with our time and our money, it's a vote. And um, the more we support organizations that are aligned with 
with values that we hold dear, the better off I think we'll be as a country and, and prove that there is still um, a voice for people who believe in, in uh, some, some certain values and, and family values and um, morality <laughs> as we oh. knew it a few years ago. That's, seems to be disappearing a bit, but yeah, it's called breakaways. It's super, it's actually, it's, I, I think it's, um, the production quality was phenomenal. Like from my experience, I, it was so first class. I can't even, I can't even tell you how much I appreciate all the behind the scenes work that went into it. And I think people will find it entertaining and maybe, um, you know, force them to, to ask some questions themselves and kind of about our country and sports and, and where we're at with this whole, whole mess of a, a life. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I got to tell you, I, I watched again. I watched the one with Isaacs in the, the, it's like a Barbara Walters special. Rest in peace. I mean, the, yeah. the, the quality is great, and the, and every the questions, the answers is fantastic. All right, I got to run. I wish you were doing basketball. Um, Me too. I wish you were doing basketball. Yeah, I do too. But um, you know what? I'm done at eleven every day. I got to go put. <laughs> after the show and go do <laughs> hey that, that never stopped you from doing basketball either okay let's be real <laughs> thanks a dubs you're the best see you Dougage. i love talking to allison williams she is freaking awesome and even better to work with all right apparently my internet is back on i'm gonna push a button here and uh and see what's going on so maybe we'll be back on the live view stream what a shot that was all right we'll be right back we'll be right back gotta take a short break here we are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Now, Dana White is a bazillionaire. Dana White and his wife have said we're good. We'll show you the video again, if you don't mind, Dylan. We'll show you the video again. They're arguing. She slaps him. He slaps her, and she's not backing down. He slaps her again. I mean, this is violent. This is very, very violent. And people can make it racial. People can make it whatever they want. I'm going to make it domestic violence. Look, uh, I like Dana White. He seems like a decent guy. He seems fine. But the truth of the matter is this should never happen. I don't care if you've been drinking. I don't care if you haven't been drinking. Hell, uh, it doesn't matter to me. This should never, ever, ever happen. Now, Dana White isn't a player. Dana White's an owner. And there's a big difference when you own uh, who's disciplining you. I guess the port of, the court of public opinion can discipline you, but uh, that is about it. So, look, uh, Dana White did what he did. He's going to suffer the consequences. We'll see what those consequences are, but I'm going to continue to say this. Don't ever lay your hands on a woman. Put your hands in your pocket and take a beating if you have to. All right, Steve Sarkeesian. We're a little late to the party here, but Steve Sarkeesian, I got to tell you, Steve Sarkeesian decided, for whatever the reason, that he was going to be a jackass to a worker. And it's a TV production guy that is literally holding Steve Sarkeesian back from getting onto the field. Now, I understand. I do in a certain way. I understand Steve, Steve Sarkeesian, who is the head guy. He's the coach of Georgia. Um, all right. He's fired up. And I'm sorry, coach of Texas, he's fired up. 
And you see it right here. He's fired up. So the guy with the headset is in charge. He puts his hand on Steve Sarkeesian, and Steve Sarkeesian acts like an idiot. Steve Sarkeesian is one of those fake tough guys. Now, I got to tell you, I'm not above back in my day, in my 30s, of being a jackass in that vein and doing those kind of things. But Sarkeesian did not need to do this. It's not this guy's fault. This guy just trying to do his job with TV. Now, Sarkeesian acting like a tough guy in front of his players. But here's the difference now. Back in the days of Bobby Knight at all, you yell and scream, and all of us are like, yeah, we're with the coach. Nowadays, players see this, and they go, yeah, our coach is an idiot. They do. Like, they don't like swearing players, don't they? They don't like this kind of stuff. They'll go out on a football field, and they'll fight like crazy, but they don't like seeing adults doing this. They look at you as a coach like you're a complete idiot. Yeah, you're an idiot. And so at the end of the day, Sarkeesian showed himself to be an idiot. And I'm not surprised. That's why Sarkeesian is Sarkeesian. I've never really been the biggest fan. I know we're supposed to be. I know he's Sark. I know he's got, you know, nine lives and the USC thing became the Alabama thing, which became the Texas thing. I understand all that. But I got to tell you, this ain't great. I always wanted to know the names of all the janitors. I want to know the names of everybody in the building and treat them right. And there are times, and maybe Sarkeesian just made a mistake here. There are times when people make mistakes. But the truth of the matter is, I don't use the term bad look. It's just a jerk, being a jerk. Um, Alex Ovechkin owned the Canadians on and off the ice. And after beating them, he posed with the moms of several of the Canadian players. Now, look, Ovechkin's about as old as me. Ovechkin, 172 years old. So, hey, look, he's not going to pose with the wives. He's going to pose with the with the moms. That's what he's going to do. There he is. Ovechkin just gets in a pile with all the moms of the players. Now, the wives are too young for Ovechkin. And everybody that, I don't know, has a, uh, any kind of sack on him loves the way Ovechkin partied after winning the Stanley Cup a few years ago. And I got to tell you, I like this too. And the moms look very thrilled to be around. The Caps <laughs> hero. So good for Ovechkin. Look into it what you want. I like it. He's sticking it to them. Just be careful around mothers about what you say about their kids. They'll slice you in bad places. See Elaine Bobbitt or whatever her name is. All right, sports betting became legal. Thank goodness in the great state of Ohio, where I resigned it for 10 years. Became legal January 1st. And this is the greatest troll job ever. None other, ladies and gentlemen, the great Pete Rose made the first legal bet in the great state of Ohio, and he bet on the Reds to win the World Series. I think this is absolutely awesome. I think this is beautiful. If you can't make fun or you can't throw shade or whatever the cool kids' words are at things like this, I think it is absolutely beautiful. Beautiful. All right, before we get to Wokadope, I, I, I saved the best, the stupidest for last. I did. I saved the dumbest for last. There is a soccer coach. His name is uh, Greg Burkholt. Greg Burkhalter is being investigated. He is the U.S. soccer team's coach. He's the head man. 
USMTEST or whatever it is. Well, 1991 as an 18-year-old, apparently he kicked his wife. He's been married, Rosalind and he have, for 25 years. Why do they even have to answer to that is what my wife said. Why do they even have to discuss that? It's nobody's business. It's 1991. I'm going to say that again. 1991. As an 18-year-old. So some guy has this. He's trying to blackmail uh, Burkhalter. And U.S. soccer is stupid enough, woke enough, idiotic enough that they have got to go out and act like there is an investigation. They've got to go out and act, ladies and gentlemen, like they care about this. You shouldn't care about this. They've been married for 25 years. In an era of super wokeness, of, oh my God, we're going to act like we're doing the right thing. This is insane. It's insane that a man, number one, has to address what he did in 1991, as an 18-year-old, that didn't result in anything criminal, nothing at all, been married 25 years to his wife, Rosalind, and now, because he has gained some sort of notoriety, he has to go back 30-plus years and answer for this. Don't answer for it. Tell them all to stick it. It's high time we told idiots that are being idiots to simply stick it. You want to be an idiot? Stick it. Period. That's it. That's all I got. You want to be a jackass? I don't want to hear from you. Stick it. That's it. That's all I got. I got nothing more. Nothing. Zero. Zip. Nada. Nothing more. Nothing. My God. They've been married 20 five years. All right. What else we got? Well, let's talk about it. We got Wokadope. Who is our latest Wokadope? Man, I don't understand it. I won't understand it. It's crazy to me why we pediatric gender clinics. I want you to think about that for a second. Pediatric gender clinics. That's where we're at. That's what we got. That's how we're handling kids switching their genders in 2010 or whatever the hell, 2022. This is where we're at in the world that we live in. Gender clinics. Is it amazing or not? Is it incredible or not? It's unbelievable. It really is that this is what we are doing. Look, I got to thank everybody that stayed with us on this show. I do. I got to thank you all because we are growing and growing and growing, and we are getting more and more popular. The show is taking off, and we're very proud of it. But you all sticking with us. I couldn't get to the YouTube chat today because, well, frankly, the internet was down. It wasn't our fault. It was an Xfinity issue. But the truth of the matter is we're going to continue to grow. The truth of the matter is tomorrow we're going to do a better show than we did today. But I got to ask you, gun to head, was Pete Rose's deal awesome or what? 
Was Pete Rose giving out the first bet the best thing you've seen or what? I'm going to answer yes. I'm going to answer it is freaking awesome. Absolutely awesome that that's what they did. I Honest to God. Honest to God, I believe that Pete Rose making the first bet in the state of Ohio January 1st is an incredible, incredible, incredible troll job. Incredible. Unbelievable. Dana White, put your hands in your damn pockets. It's too late. Hey, by the way, one other thing we didn't get to. PGA golfer Scott um, Scott Stalling shared a DM, said that he got a master's invite, or that he's a PGA golfer. There was a different Scott Stallings who got from Georgia who got Tennessee's Scott Stallings master invite. Both Scott Stallings are going to join. They're both going to join uh, Outkick 360 coming up here. Their wives, Scott Stallings in Georgia and PGA player Scott Stallings in Tennessee, their wives share the same name. The non-PGA golfer got the invite to the Masters. It's pretty funny. And my friends at Outkick 360 will absolutely have it for you. And it will be glorious. All right. Thanks to everybody who watched today. We much appreciate you. Thanks to everybody that hung with us. We'll be back at it tomorrow. Dylan and Ryan and Davey and everybody involved. Haley, Aaron, Chuck. Uh, Everybody, thank you all. Corey, thank you all so much for getting us through this show where we made a mess. We'll see you tomorrow.